All right. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know why the M&M put on the floor. Chaotic energy as you perch in your chair. Yep. Well, no, but so I we were literally mid-conversation because you were in my office. I was showing you my charts and literally walking you step-by-step step through all the little mental things. Why I caught you talking to yourself in the shower. Yeah. Well, I was doing math on the walls in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was I saying before? I was saying that like the math, like I was doing all the Bitcoin math today. I was going through all the different Bitcoiners, like the different Bitcoin stocks. And it didn't make sense. Like I was doing the math on it. And I was like, there's no way. This, all these moves are like way too much. <laughs> it, if they're actually the real deal, like it's too much of a... The problem was is that I was using my common sense where I'm looking at it and going, you're telling me that Clean Spark, after a 100% move, is then going to go do another 100% move. That's just on It's not heard of. Yeah. I mean, it is heard of it, with those kinds of size of stock. Like it's not at, when you're when you're under a hundred dollars, it's not as hard. But um, it's like a lot. But it wasn't just Clean Spark. Did the math on on Coin? Coin got me a target of two sixty. I go, you telling me that it's literally gonna fucking double? Mm-hmm. It's nuts. No. Do the math on Mara. Mara is, I don't know, like I think I was getting like 43 on it. And I'm going, again, like it, it's going to double. Mm-hmm. And what I, was ta- what I was talking to you about like five minutes before the podcast started was that I was trying to figure out what the hell was going on in the consolidation of the Bitcoin handle. And then... If people read the WizChart chat, they'll know this that I zoomed out from the time on, onto a higher time frame because, like, when things aren't making sense, I'm usually on too low of a time frame, not looking at it big enough of the picture. And I had to literally rewrite it that, oh shit, it's a cup and handle. And then all of a sudden, it made sense that all the other Bitcoin stock, which should generally trace to the same formation as Bitcoin, were also in cups and handle, which it's sort of like a confirmate it's sort of like confirmation data yeah that you're getting the same answer multiple times across multiple different um charts Mm -hmm. which is good and so then i redid the math on bitcoin and i got 67k and this is i guess where i was just talking to you i was trying to figure this out where because according to the math, Bitcoin would break out of the triangle in like, what did I say? 16 hours or something? No, no, sorry. I, I watched it for 16 hours. I, I thought by like 2 a.m. tonight, 2 a.m. tonight yeah. that it could potentially have broken out of its triangle and, and be starting its move to 67K. But then that implies that there's like another 
five to seven days before it reaches 67k Mm -hmm. the problem is is that this is me using my common sense again we're at 51k you're telling me we're about to move sixteen thousand dollars on bitcoin over you know maybe two weeks Mm -hmm. that's an insane move and then, then, so I, I was doing a lot more research on Bitcoin last night because I guess I just was thinking about Bitcoin. I was like, it doesn't really make sense that it's still stuck in the 50s. Like, especially with the halving coming up and knowing what we know about three, four prior having, I think it's just three, three halvings prior that... um that they all explode exponentially like it it bitcoin literally over double more than doubles its price every time it halves yeah um so it didn't make sense why it was like at a plateau so it should actually be coming into the halving it should be around 70 to 80k because i mean the the target will be 120 to 160k for post having on Bitcoin. Hmm. And that's actually a very conservative estimate. I think that, so I learned something interesting. I think I've been told this before, but it just, it didn't stick in my brain for whatever reason, that 98% of Bitcoin will be mined by 2032, which is like, which means that there is a very finite amount of time. Mm-hmm on a very scarce resource yeah and this is so funny on twitter people like talk about like completely missing the point of a tweet i'm not like there have you ever heard of this before there's this thing called um uh, coastal measuring have you ever heard of that no so um they measured the coast of the uk Mm-hmm. And got, let's just say, sixteen hundred kilometers, mm-hmm. right? They they used a very large ruler that was not incremental. It didn't pick up all the little like turns and like inlets and all this stuff on it, mm-hmm. right? Then they did an incremental measure, and then it went from sixteen hundred to twenty two hundred kilometers, right? Right. Because all of a sudden, and then they made the ruler even more incremental, and and it, it then went to like 2,800, right? So like it just kept getting like infinitely larger and larger. Yeah. Um, and what I'm saying is, is like 98% is basically 100. Just call it at that. Don't make it too incremental. Yeah. If most of the resource is there, you're under a lot of time pressure to uh, acquire as much Bitcoin as you possibly can. Because if it's a scarce resource, that means that it's going to become more valuable the more scarce it becomes. And it will be very scarce by the time 2032 because there isn't more of that resource. Essentially, there is no more of that resource after 2032. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like 2% more, but that's like, it's such a, it's such an immaterial percent that you can just throw it away, basically, yeah. right? Um, which is funny because people then try to like come at you about like, gold being finite and usable whatever fuck like 
you know what I was thinking about? Like somebody was like, well, I don't want to use Bitcoin because if the grid crashes, uh, I wouldn't be able to use it, but I'd be able to use gold. I was like, like, bitch, you, you ain't using gold in the infrastructure. If the infrastructure, if the grid crashes, you're probably not even surviving if the grid crashes. Also too, how many times in history, in, in the history of the United States has the grid crashed? Uh, zero. That's what I thought. So what's the likelihood of it crashing again in the future? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it was, it's so ridiculous. These like, these people, I can just like fucking kung fu chop them. That's why I don't respond to the comments because I'm too smart. <laughs> kung fu chop them. We could just destroy like these arguments in one sentence. <laughs> That's good. And then they're too stupid to even understand like the question that they asked. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. someone was asking like a fundamental question about how do humans assign valuation, and then he like went off the fucking road about how gold is usable. I was like, I was like, I don't. That that has nothing to do with how we assign financial value to objects. Yeah. But you know. But okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. At that point, you just don't even want to waste your time. No, I don't. But I, I felt like there wasn't. So I wrote a longer post on Bitcoin last night, and I felt I did it because I felt that there needed to be some more like credible defense of Bitcoin should be at a higher price without like, you know, a fucking ape just being like, well, hodl it. It should be like a million dollars by now. You know what I mean? Like I, I think actually like there is a serious case for Bitcoin to head into the millions, you know? And to be honest, it doesn't quite make sense that we're not like, we're watching Bitcoin go higher in a very calm and orderly way. It like, it did bubble in 2021 potentially when it went to like 64k and we're still and it still really hadn't been mass adopted yet now we're at mass adoption and it is just like very orderly like incrementally it goes up 2k one week then the next week it goes up another 2k and then another week goes up another 2k instead of it just having like a fucking explosion of 17k so like long roundabout way of me trying to explain this is that like we haven't seen that up until this point, mm-hmm. right? So a 17, so for me to suggest that there's a, I don't know, what, what is it? We're at 51 and 67, so 16K. So 16K, a 16K jump over two weeks, that'd be astronomical comparatively speaking versus the last four to six months, what we've seen. Yeah. You know, but is there, the math is there and it, and like it makes sense. And if I want to learn anything from my last podcast, and I'm not sure that I really do, is that I'm supposed to be trusting the math. So, <laughs> um, it's supposed to go to 16k, or it's supposed to go up by 16k, and that is an incredible jump. And that would mean that the all Bitcoin stock are going to make an incredible jump. And I mean. How much is, let's see. Hold on, my 
Ti. Hold on. Uh, that would be a 31% increase in Bitcoin. And the uh, Bitcoin miners would increase at a more exponential rate than that because of how they're derivative of Bitcoin. And because... Uh, they would because they're they're multiples of Bitcoin where they hold more than just that or or they are uh, not successful or responsible, but they are um, they make profit off of Bitcoin increasing for mm -hmm. each fee and transaction. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you could. I mean, yeah, like a 3x multiple. So if you expect Bitcoin to increase by 31%, you would expect the Bitcoin miners to increase by like 90%, which then you come back around to my math, which I was posting about. Then it all of a sudden, it all of that lines up. It all comes true. Seems to come true. And it's always weird. Because I've made big predictions before, and even then, I've made big, big predictions on the podcast before, and then the next day they they seem to come true. Mm -hmm. It's always very weird sitting in this seat the night before. Yeah, because you do endless research, and it makes sense, and then it happens, and then it's like a sigh of relief, like. Your brain still works. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's that. And then there's like this awe of watching it actually take place. Yeah. Too. You know? And in this case, this would be one of the very, very few times in trading that I've I've ever seen where we're on probably the eve of what's what is the start of a historical movement in stock and to be in that position already it's it's hard because like i i want to talk about it i want to talk about it to to people so that they can potentially get get informed on it and be able to benefit from it mm -hmm. at the same time too i don't want to talk about it because <laughs> I just I just told the world I think it's going to be a historical event. And you know how many times historical events happen? Just like never. Mm -hmm. That's why they're historical events. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? <laughs> so I, I have to be fucking nuts. Slightly. Slightly. To think that there could be a historic, that we could be sitting on the eve of a historical event. And then to see it follow through. You know, mm -hmm. what what makes I think Clean Spark even more interesting is because I've brought this up before that it has a very interesting price of sales multiple. It's not on the same it's not on the same multiple as like Mara or Riot, um, but it has very strong financials, mm -hmm. and it probably has a stronger growth plan than. Um, I would say most of those miners have. Yeah. I, I would be shocked if it's not like the 
best one. The best one in the, in the long run. Yeah. I mean, even listening to their last earnings report about about how they are grid like grid energy neutral, mm-hmm. and they've figured out way. I mean, I I know I'm late to the game, and I'm sure there's someone screaming <laughs> at this podcast in their car right now, where. Uh, they're saying, you know, they're talk, they're screaming at me about hash rates and some shit. I don't even, you know what I mean? I just learned about hash rates. All right. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know a ton. I know that, I know that there's a lot of money here to be made. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we all just calm down and remember that? Um, so you can make, keep making the calls. So I can keep making my calls. Yeah. I, I, so it, it, for me, it sounded all very impressive. And maybe it's not as impressive as what I'm hearing because I just am not as like acquainted with it. And I'm still very new, relatively speaking, to, mm-hmm. to Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, but CleanSpark did seem very impressive. You know, from from the report that they put together, from their growth plan that they put together, and I think it was all it was very smart of them to lock in rates on mining devices when they thought when they know that the having is going to, at the very least, double the current price of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It it might even triple it or quadruple it. We don't know, right? And naturally, I uh, you know the they're going to charge a lot more for devices yeah to do it and it seems like they're pretty smart about like using efficiency to to work around you know the the mining rate and i believe if I, if i remember correctly they have the lowest break even price out of any miner yeah so that means that they're the most profitable bitcoin miner and they're going to end it, and they already have one of the largest grids like of, of mining and it's all theirs and they keep most of the fucking bitcoin that they mine yeah which means and on top of that we already know that bitcoin is becoming is becoming extremely scarce the fact of the matter is is that in january all those bitcoin etfs that that launched they required sixty thousand bitcoin to be bought by the etfs that is more than double all the miners put together what they mined in a in a single month. Yeah. So just the ETFs alone are requiring double the amount of bitcoins to hold. On top of that, you have everyone fucking else who wants a bitcoin. You know what I mean? So bitcoin is is becoming way way more scarce. I don't think any institution wants to lit lit on to that until mm-hmm. it's too late. Yeah. Because they they want to be able to get it for as much as they can and they're happy that that Bitcoin has stayed so reasonably priced under the under the conditions for it. You know? I mean, I I'd be happy as a fucking clam if I was BlackRock and I got a two month head start. Now almost a month out from the having and i got i got a two-month head start to try to fucking grab as much bitcoin as i can because my etf's finally approved you know yeah so 
that I mean, I can just I can see all these forces that really want to get in on Bitcoin and they're trying to keep it as quiet as possible. And I can clearly see there's an undervaluation in Bitcoin. On top of that, I can clearly see there's an undervaluation in CleanSpark. So CleanSpark's PS should be on par at the very least with with other miners. And it's currently not. And given everything we just talked about, where like they've they're exemplary in mm-hmm. multiple areas, right? That means that their stock, so if all Bitcoin miners will generally increase by 90%. Let's just say it's it's all 100% true. Over the next two weeks, they'll all increase by 100 or by 90%, right? That means that that CleanSpark, in order to get on par with the rest of the Bitcoin miners, it would need to increase by 180%. So just increasing by 90%, it's still undervalued, which means that it probably has a longer and higher run possible in it. Mm-hmm. And the way they're able to do that partially is because they've kept such a small free float of shares that are available that people can buy, right? So their their price isn't like really devalued. They're very financially conservative. They keep costs very well managed. Um, and so it, it's a little bit shocking that they're still like under $20. And I don't even want to go this far. It's almost shocking that like it's it's not even competing for like $30 currently, you know? It it's gonna have a fast and very rapid rise. I can I can definitely see that. I think the charts are there to support that. Mm-hmm. If this all turns out to be true, like I just so I remember I I was listening in with you during their what is it called again? Earnings report. Yeah, their earnings report. They they said that they are estimated to mine Bitcoin at how fast? I don't even remember. By but the end of like, I didn't, I knew that they the were gonna year. double their mining rate by it's like it was insanely by, like, fast. I think that they're at like ten, whatever that means, or thirteen, and they were gonna be at twenty six before the halving. And I think they already accomplished that. I think they announced it that they mm-hmm. are already at twenty six now. Um, yeah, I'm gonna guess the word is hash rate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. I'm sure I'm going to get dunked on. <laughs> it's fine. Bring it on. <laughs> um, and so. And that wasn't even there. That wasn't even the full deal that they have for bringing uh, other devices online, uh, mining devices online for it. Yeah. So they still have like a ton in reserve, which means that they'll probably be at 46. They'll probably be at, at 80. I mean, they could be at 80 by the end of the year. Who who knows? You know, if if Bitcoin really does increase that dramatically, you know, mm-hmm. most of their expenses are going to be paid for uh, by selling one or two Bitcoins instead of having to sell like, I don't know, 20 Bitcoins a month, right? right? You know, so... Their problem sort of resolves itself, and they'll have like they have some really interesting programs that they have set up in the company too, or 
they literally set up Bitcoin ATMs. So they, they're not, and they're not selling the Bitcoin in those ATMs. They're just collecting the fees of those transactions that are happening. Hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're getting passive revenue through that. Yep. They're getting revenue through, um, they're setting up a, a, a trading desk and they're getting revenue through loaning as well. And they, they don't have like a, like we will sell 30% of our Bitcoin, you know, every quarter or something like that. They just, they just try to sell strategically with what makes sense. And they're trying to hold on to as much Bitcoin as they possibly can, which in my opinion is the smartest thing you can do. Because if you really believe that Bitcoin is going to skyrocket and why wouldn't you believe that if you're a Bitcoin miner? Because then why the fuck are you in the business? You know, right. Um, your long term, your long game is to hold it, loan bitcoins out to facilitate financial transactions, and and profit from it. Mm-hmm. You know, like a fucking bank. You're the, the miners eventually become the new fucking banks, but for Bitcoin, right? They're holding the gold on it, and I think that you know that's smart and. Um, I, I think clean spark has the ability to do that. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, you know, genius, genius, genius play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, uh, today was a lot of reworking the math and trying to make sure everything makes sense because things were falling. And I mean, yesterday I had to figure out, does it make sense in the long term to stick with clean spark? And I, I, was able to answer it. I think on the weekly, it makes perfect fucking sense. Today, I think it makes even more sense. And, uh, you know, having that faith, you get rewarded after hours, you know, with CleanSpark literally moving 7% after hours, which completely erases the entire fall that it had over the last two days. Mm-hmm. And then I was laughing like a fucking psychopath that um, these are the best moves for me where, where, people don't see it and they're caught off off guard and then they have to chase it. Like they did have to chase it after hours. They had to chase it up 7% because they know that clean spark is fundamentally undervalued. That clean spark does have to go to, you know, $30 and that they're going to be chasing it very fast because when you have a small free float, stock price moves a lot faster than normal because there's just less shares that can be bought. Right. And uh, that means that, you know, someone like Rivian, Rivian had a much higher free float when we did that trade last year, last summer. And it made the jump, you know, from, I think, entered at 13, exited at 25. Um, It was struggling to get through to 25. And that's because it had a lot more shares and a lot more churn and a lot more turnover on it. Yeah. With CleanSpark, that's not the issue. You know? CleanSpark will be able to fucking rock it. It's gonna it it's gonna jump and it's gonna look like stocks like Upstart or Carvana where they have uh short squeezes and it rapidly jumps in price, but it's literally just gonna be jumps from from high demand in, in price action, right? Um getting it to a proper valuation. And and that's what I think makes me feel very comfortable is knowing that it's going to rapidly jump in price, but 
the only rapid jumps in price are just going to be getting it on par to normal valuation. You know, I'm not chasing a bubble here. I'm not chasing, you know, something that that shouldn't be this high. I'm literally just taking the ride as the market corrects itself to get clean spark to its correct price. Yep. And you see it early. And I and I see it early and I, I got in at seven seven and um we'll see we'll see what the fuck happens. I mean, it, it would be crazy if it opens at 1880 tomorrow. And then it, it, one of the things that always mystifies me, or, or I guess like, yeah, I guess the word for it is mystifies me, is, is, you know, a lot of the price jumps are really on the belief of the shareholders, if that makes sense. So like, you know, if you sort of like, it's sort of like, um, oh man, what's that psychology term? Self-fulfilling prophecy. Sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy sometimes with stock. Mm-hmm. If like the collective conscious of the shareholders is that, um, you know, the stock is going to have a hard psychological level at $20. Like you're going to see people sell at $20 because they're anticipating it and they sort of created the problem themselves. Yeah. You know? Instead of just letting yeah. it do its thing. The interesting thing about CleanSpark is it's it doesn't have any shareholders up where we are, really. All the shareholders like exist either at current price or below current price. Mm-hmm. Which makes then price discovery in like the upper twenties, um, the upper thirties really easy to happen really fast. Because it hasn't really it's not there it hasn't been there before with any current shareholders. So um, they're more willing to hold into higher highs than, you know, a shareholder that got bagged at 28 and held through for two years and then, you know, wants to drop off now. Yeah. It's going to be quick and it's going to go fast. And what I was starting to say was, wow, it'll be amazing if it opens at 1880. But honestly, it, I mean, like if we think back to the Rivian play last summer, um, you know, it was at 18 one day. The next day it opened at 22, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and it will make those jumps faster and easier for CleanSpark. Instead of it being to 22, the price might be it opens up at 27 or 28, right? Yeah. And then the next day it opens at, at 36, you know? Just depends how fast it moves. Just depends how fast it moves, but it can happen really fast if there's enough momentum there, mm-hmm. enough hype behind it, which I think there should be enough. Like people, it, people should be genuinely wanting to get in on Clean Spark because I don't think there's a quick upside to it. I think the upside is very high on it. For it, you know, we're not fighting over pennies here. I'm not fighting over. I'm just trying to get it to 1880 and then I'm hopping out, like. I'm expecting another 100% to like 180% increase of the stock price. You speak so passionately about CleanSpark. <laughs> it's on my mind. That's the problem. Like <laughs> I, I'm trying to solve a fucking math problem, and then I'll be and then I'll be so bored over it and and done with it once it once it completes my math problem. Once it once it does, you'll be like, yeah, all right, all right, well, I'm done. Moving on. Yeah. Let's find another one. Mm-hmm.
that's the thing though it's just like that's how i am i just i and then it's it's on to the next thing i get bored i can't talk about it yeah you know but that's what keeps me going in trading i think it's just that it, it's on to the next puzzle to solve you want to see what's new i'm not yeah and i'm not married to any any stock trades i mean there are some trades that are worth like the time to hold for a very long time um and clean spark might be that trade i don't know yet you know i just we have to see what what happens i'm gonna ride it out through the full way though mm-hmm. you know i'm gonna see this to the end and, and get the most out of it as i can so we'll see what happens it'll be cool it'll be cool to watch the ride yeah now i hope we get a good ride and i hope we get a big explosive ride and it's exciting and it and it blows your fucking brains you know like <laughs> you're like holy shit did it really just open at 27 today when we were at 16 two days ago mm-hmm. you know um and I don't want to believe, I think like as a trader, I try to pull myself back. I don't want to believe it. I want to see it. You know, I don't, I don't, as I'm talking about those hypotheticals, I don't really believe it. I, but I know, I know it's a true possibility. Like I can look at the math. I can, I can look at what our, what our numbers are and, and see how the probabilities have been, you know, shotgunned out there. And and see what the probabilistic outcomes are for it. Um, but you know, I, I don't ever I'm never like secretly hoping like, oh yeah, in two days it needs to go to twenty seven dollars, you know? Yeah. Um I set myself up into place that I can just I I'm the one in control. I'm I'm it it's an active trade for me. I'm actively controlling the trade as it as it plays out. Right. You know, yeah. I'm never sitting back thinking, dear God, please let this go my way. I mean, sometimes like it, you know, I, I do. I am thinking like the satisfaction of the math being right. The satisfaction of the math being right. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. But I'm never like, well, if it doesn't work that way, I'm not gonna be able to pay my bills. You know, there's never that much on the line that that it's that it's something like that at, at stake. Always the risk is like properly managed and I can. Because the risk is properly managed, I can have full joy in like fantasizing about wherever the fuck it, I, I want it to go. Yeah. You know, I don't have to worry about it not working out and then and then Be what like, happens. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Because trading like that is it's just that sucks. You don't trade your best that way. And you shouldn't ever trade that way, really. I mean, like yeah, it, it's dangerous. it's dangerous. Dangerous game to play. It's not worth it to play it that way. So, because there, there's always another million dollar trade the next day, and it's not just one million dollar trade. It's there's two hundred million dollar trades, and and you're never missing a ride that that can't be found. There's some. There's always another trade out there. There's always the next one, and um, it shouldn't be all or nothing. Like this trade must work out, you know. Either trade works out or it doesn't fucking move on, you know. <laughs> Take your money and go. Pity party. No pity parties. Yeah. Pity parties suck, man. I I don't want to hear that shit. It you know, you know what you signed up for. Like you're that's what I I don't like is when I hear traders whining because they're always the one that made the decision at the end of the day. It was their decision, you know? Yeah. They're the one that decided to put the money up 
uh, that they shouldn't have. That they shouldn't have. They're the one that put themselves in the bad situation. They're the ones that, you know, um, it's just not the right attitude. It's not the right mindset to have to be successful in trading. That's that's what I'm getting at. I don't. I and I don't even want to focus on like negative, uh, you know, negative loops. Because I've talked about this before on the podcast that like you literally need to have a positive mantra that like you have really positive self-talk because if you have really positive self-talk with yourself, you're going to build yourself up and like better things are going to keep happening to you. You build your own luck. You build your own opportunities. If you tell yourself like, I can, I will, I must like, I, you know, it like you will become that. If you tell yourself, I will be successful, you know, I can be successful. I must be successful. You're going to be successful. You will find a way. And if you take actions towards it every day, like you're going to find a way to like become that. So, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I really believe that. Like deep down, I, I really do. Like people call it manifesting. Feel it. I feel the energy. Yeah. I do think that like the universe is very like, is very energy sensitive. But I also do think that there is a very scientific, your brain is very plastic. You need to talk to yourself in a positive way and be positive with yourself. Because if you're positive, you know, you're going to realize that, um, you know, the pain that you're enduring is all just pain that's leading towards your success. No matter what, even if you have a failure, that is just one more step closer to like success. And people can do it and it happens a lot quicker than they think, but they need to do it the right way. Because if you don't do it the right way, if you're not positive with yourself, if you try to take shortcuts, if you're unethical, if you're immoral, you know, like it's not going to catch up. It's going to catch up to you. I don't care. Like it, it really will catch up to you because you like whether you believe in karma or you don't believe in karma. Something about you is leaving a loose end that the people that you fucked over or the rules that you broke are going to eventually come back around and smack the shit out of you. And whether that actually just aligned with the full definition of karma, you know, so be it. But, <laughs> um, I always thought karma was a very, like, common sense thing. You know? Your actions have consequences. Yeah. And, like, I think that you can take it to higher spiritual levels and that there's, like, energy that you put out, like, even the energy that you put out, not in, like, that whole, I don't know. I don't know what to say because sometimes I'm on uh, spaces where I have to talk about astrology and I'm listening to people and I'm going, these guys are fucking nuts. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, shooting energy beams at, at other people. Yeah. I would like to be able to do that. I don't think I can, though. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, like, your energy is like an aura. And that, you know, you need to be protective of your aura. And, like, whether your aura is actually, like, your brain and the positive self-loops or whatever the truth is behind all of this. Whatever the truth to life actually is, like, we do know, like, whether you look at it from a spiritualistic lens or whether you look at it from a materialistic lens, it's still the same answer. So, like, fall follow that you know do things the right way 
because they matter and they have consequence and your life has consequence. And you need to remember that like your life has consequence and that you are an important piece and that you are here for like a very specific reason, you know? Oh my God. Uh, so I have to tell you about this. So I was listening. I, well, I'm on fucking Substack, so I can't get taken down. I have to. So Hitler, um, <laughs> I was listening to this history story about Hitler. So Hitler fought in World War One. There's this British soldier. Um, he, this British soldier, decided uh, saw this unarmed German. He decided not to shoot him. Uh, the unarmed German saw the the British soldier, and that the British soldier decided to spare him. The German soldier then came to the conclusion that he had been chosen by God, that he was on like a very special mission. That that guy was Hitler. <laughs> but it, it wasn't that he had been chosen by God. It was that his his life had a very specific purpose. I mean, and arguably it did have a very specific purpose to it. You know, but it, it's kind of funny how like a little like a little nudge in the wrong way. Like if you drive towards egotism versus like um, the other direction, like spiritualism, mm-hmm. uh, how easy it is to miss the mark. If you become like more absorbed into your own ego, you go, I'm fucking great. I'm the fucking best there ever was. You know, Jews, they're not great. <laughs> a lot of wrong ideas are going to start to seep in. You know what I mean? <laughs> So don't go down that like if I'm if, if there's actually people listening to this podcast, don't go down that path. Stick more to the spiritual side of of like your life has a very specific purpose to perpetuate good. You're trying to lift others up and lift all of humanity up. That we live in a community that that there is um that your life is important and that you need to remember that because your life is important, that it has a direct impact on the community. You need to make sure that you are making the world a better place. I think, yeah, don't be Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) I think don't be Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. So you said earlier, I'm great. I will be great. I will be successful. I can't, I can be successful. I, I I will be successful. I must be successful. Okay. But then Hitler... Hitler was like, I have a very special life purpose. My life is great. Yeah. He made made it about his ego. Yeah. I mean, not to, like, reduce it so far, because there's a lot of, like, more way more qualified people that can probably break this down than I can. But he had a very egotistic drive of it. It became more about me than the action of making me better yeah when i say i can be successful i'm i'm telling myself that i have potential that i have opportunity when i'm saying you know i will be successful i'm saying i believe myself that i that i'm going to be successful you know that one day i will be successful and i um, I must be successful. It means that I'm going to take action to be successful mm-hmm. today, right? 
I'm going to take one step closer to being what I'm supposed to be that, you know, like that I'm going to be closer to my life's purpose of helping others that I'm, that I'm here to do good. And I, you know, when I, when I say those three things, they're meant to affirm yourself in a positive way so that you can like, so that you can have higher self-confidence to not fall for the traps of ego. Makes sense. You're talking so deep. Yeah, I don't even know how I went down that path. Staring me in the eyes. <laughs> Intense. But I like it. You're a very passionate speaker. I know. I, I'm good at speeches, and I never really got the chance to <laughs> do do big, grandiose speeches. That's too bad. Whiz for prize. Whiz for prize. <laughs> I'm gonna say that any chance I get. You know that was like a running theme in the Telegram. I think it was constantly whiz for prize. I thought it was so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, Bitcoin has a lot of potential with it, and I think it's been interesting. To be in the run for so long because really we've we've followed it since late November mm-hmm. and played it through and um, you know we were back at the right time we were literally back at, as the accumulation broke out um, just on Clean Spark alone it went from seven seven to now it's or to a high of nineteen twenty two. Yeah. Um, you know what's so funny is today it clo- Clean Spark closed at sixteen thirty six. Supposedly, I think actually it closed above sixteen forty three, but the APM number last night was sixteen thirty two, and I think that's funny. My brain thinks that's funny. I don't know why. <laughs> So that's all I have. Okay. <laughs> You're losing your mind. My brain gets weird about numbers. I don't know. It, it like. I was telling you this earlier. I don't. I don't think like a normal person. I know I don't. I I know that. My brain attaches to ideas, in very different ways than most people do that's why like i don't have the same kind of conversation like i obviously i have you get to see a very real side of me versus like where i'm at work you know running and like it just it's not it's not the same person because i have to wear a different mask because i have to be a different person and really it's it's more social, like, I I guess I'm more socially acceptable with other people than you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm weird. I know I'm weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Probably autistic. Definitely autistic. I don't know why I said probably. <laughs> Just was kind of hoping that I could be normal. 
<laughs> I wish I could meet, like, I could compare an autistic version of you and a normal version. So then I could assess and see if you are autistic or if you just have autistic tendencies. Yeah, I mean, I know that the normal person of me wouldn't be as hopeful or as creative. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like, I mean, I've talked about this. Actually, this was like many, many podcasts ago. I I love every everything I've been given. I think everything I've been given is a gift. I don't think, I think everything... I've been given allows me to see things in, in a different lens in a different lens and you know it's up to it's up to the uh holder of the gifts how they use them and you know I think I've channeled into very creative and positive outlets and I'm proud of that I'm proud of myself for doing that because it it could have been very easy to just not do it that way yeah you know um my dad wrote me a letter once and uh he told me that i was very strong for choosing to be kind every day that i don't have to choose to be kind every day but for some reason i seem to always choose to be kind I thought, like, that's always, like, kind of sat with me for a long time, a long time, because when he wrote the letter, I thought it was silly, because I was like, what do you mean you choose to be kind? Like, you don't, I, I guess I hadn't met too many assholes at that point. <laughs> and, um, I, th you know, I, I think... As I as I've grown, as I've aged, <laughs> hundreds of years. As I, as I've aged, hundreds of years. Um, you know, I, I realize what he really meant. How deep that that is. That you know, somebody chooses to turn the turn their life into positive. Because I think we both know we've been through very hard points in our lives that you know it's very easy to just choose the side of like fuck it i don't care i'm not going to be nice to people i'm going to like try to keep as many fucking people down as i can and the negative side the negative side it's very easy to choose the negative yeah and it becomes a a loop you choose it once and the thing is is that negative isn't as forthcoming in free as it makes it seem at first and i'm not saying like don't be negative or i'm not saying like you can't be negative or you can't have boundaries and you can't like you know like i'm talking about like those real fucking assholes that you know look to really squash people out mm -hmm. squash people's spirit out like they choose it at first and they get a little bit of power out of it but then they become a slave to it because they can't escape it yeah. And they can't grow as, as individuals. And I think that, you know, 
choosing like power to, hungry. Choosing to be kind is a choice every day. Yeah. It is. And it does take a lot to be that. But um It's more rewarding. It's more freeing and it's who you should be. Yeah. There you go. You just learned something. I, I've never told anyone about that letter before. So mm-hmm. I thought you were going to cry. Did I look like I was going to cry? Mm-hmm. I I didn't feel like I was going to cry. I felt pretty strong through that whole thing. So <laughs> Good. But that was actually a genuine... I genuinely felt pretty strong through that whole thing. I, I really loved what he wrote. I I look at it fondly. I I think of it as something that's beautiful that my dad saw me in that light. It it was very nice to see how he thinks of me. Yeah. You know, just yeah. a, I I think we all sort of desire to be able to view ourselves in our own in our parents' light. You know, in our parents' eyes. Yeah. See what they think of us. Mm-hmm. Because in, in some ways, I've heard this before is that you know when you're growing up when you're like two three four or five um you know your parents are gods they're the most powerful things you know in the entire in the entire universe right yeah they give you food every day that magically appears right like there's just there doesn't seem to be any limit to their power um i think that our inner child still desires something like that is to know well, what did they really think of me you know mm-hmm. did they love me did they, what what do they think were my strengths and what do they think were my weaknesses, you know? And how how do parents, you know, how's how do my parents um you know, am I a burden to them? Or I, like I think there's always those like natural kind of thoughts that like come through and you want to know. So I I like the letter. You did a good job. <laughs> Kudos, dad. Kudos. Way to go was dad. yeah so anyways um i don't really have any fucking thing else to say about the stock market other than i knew nvidia was going to go up i wrote it it went up whoop de do whoop de do i guess (laughs) you did good whiz biz baby Mm -hmm. always yeah I love saying that shit. I so I I've always said it in my I love <laughs> I've always said it in my head writing it, and I had wondered how people read it, you know, because like you can always read it a whole bunch of different ways, right? Like, yeah. hey, I could be saying it kind of like like whiz biz baby, you know, like <laughs> not not really into it. Every fucking time I say that, I'm full sending it in my head. <gasps> whiz biz baby. Yeah. What's biz, baby? Like, just. Oh, my gosh. Volume warning. <laughs> yeah, volume warning 15 seconds ago. Sorry. Um, I fucking love it. I love saying it. I think it's the stupidest shit ever, but it fires me the fuck up. You know? It's like um, Talladega Tal Nights. When... <laughs> what do they say? I, uh. Shake and bake. They say shake and bake. And Dale's like, I don't know what it I don't know what it means, but it fires me up. Or no, uh the kids are like, um 
I don't know. Whatever. Fuck. You know what? I, I completely misquoted it, but let's just say Dale said that. Anyways. <laughs> I completely fucked it up, but that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting tired. Yeah, I am. But Voice Biz does fire me up. I love saying that shit. You know? Yeah. It's always a full send. Um. Yeah, we should end it. Because I was supposed to write a post, too. But, I mean, I... I thought I was going to have to write a post because in my head, I always think, well, there's something that's going to have to be amended in what I wrote in the pre-brief that will change and I'll need to make an adjustment to how the market's viewed. But I mean, the pre-brief pretty much nailed it. So. <laughs> so whiz biz, baby. So whiz biz, baby. <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, like th- sometimes that's the that's the problem is I'm like, okay, well, I'll make sure that I I will also post an update. But what if I don't need to make any updates because it was all perfect? Which it was. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Your post would just be like, "Well, you read it. It came true. Everything came true. Ta-da. I don't know what the fuck more you want. I'm not really into praise like fucking twitter furus you know i don't have a praise fetish i don't that's that's the problem too is is like i don't keep scoreboard you know i'm just like i gotta write and um that's good enough for me and now let me do it again you don't like words of affirmation I do like words of affirmation. That's my love language. But um, I, I feel like for I don't me, need to brag. I don't need to brag about it. But I, but I do like like someone saying like that was a great call. That makes my day. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't feel like I need to go look how right I was about Clean Spark. You know, on the on the front of my article. Yeah. Go. Clean Spark moved 100%. Aren't I fucking great? Okay, now comment below about how fucking great I am. You know? I I don't need to chase that. That's not. Yeah. That's not what I'm looking for. You know? Mhm. And part of the problem too is is like is then like naturally like I'm really fucking right a lot of the time. But I don't I don't advertise I don't advertise it, so Sometimes you do. Sometimes I do. Sometimes Jokingly. when I'm trying, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, shit. I I I can do better with the Substack. I more people should should be involved and in, in learning from it. Yeah. And I need to build it up again, and and then um uh, I'm like, well, there's other things in life that I also want to do, like watch ducks from my window. <laughs> and I might just do that today. So. And then a post doesn't go out because I was too busy watching ducks. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, too, I mean, the problem, too, is, like, I can teach a lot. Um, but, you know, there's times where there's a lot to be said. And I think I said this last podcast. I don't even want to go down this road again. I Sometimes there are a lot of 
a lot of times sometimes there are a lot of things to be said sometimes there's just nothing to be said about what happened in the market like it's just boring you're still waiting for your setup you figured out what the setup is five days ago and just waiting it could be between any time between now and two months from now and you just need to sit here and wait and it's just about being patient and how do i write a post that it's like it's an insult to my time it's an insult to my reader's time to feel like a post needs to come out the same the next day that says everything is the same go fuck yourself You're a funny man. <laughs> and then when I do actually have something to say, it, I know it's incredibly deep and I know it's incredibly insightful. You know? Yeah. I know what I'm putting together is worth it. I know that, I mean, I, I've received feedback before that my, the way I write is so understandable that you know, it, it just puts it in plain English that, that like, that people get it right. They take, I took a hard concept, like, I don't know, reverse repo. And I just translate it to the bare fucking bones that it's literally, we're just trying to figure out how much cash is in the system. Because if there's a lot of cash in the system, stock goes up. There isn't a lot of cash in the system, stock go down. Like, it's just, just, that's it. Right. And I know that's brilliant. By translating a very hard concept to complete simplicity and then making a very simple trade, mm-hmm. there is brilliance in that. Yeah. But sometimes, again, there just isn't a lot to be said. So. Other than common sense. Other than common sense, but don't really listen to that. Like, go back and do the math and then walk all the way through why the math actually makes sense. So that your common sense catches the fuck up. Yeah. I think that's part of my problem is that I have very, I have extremely high intuition. I can make big leaps from point A to point B and I know where it is. And then I have to walk backwards and build it back. You know, I might, I might be able to just eyeball a chart and know exactly where stock will go. But then, you know, I I personally need to then go build the whole thing and show that that actually will work. It's kind of weird. Puzzle piece. It's a puzzle. It works. Yeah. All right. Well, we gave them a lot. They should be they should be so fucking satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> Eat it up. Nom, nom, nom. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I think this was a, a fantastic pod. Anyways, this is the Wiz Merlin Uncensored podcast. Um, thank you so much to the tribe. Thank you guys for supporting us on the Substack. This is like, I, I love fucking writing for you guys. And I know I joke a lot <laughs> on these podcasts. <laughs> I actually, I really genuinely love seeing people in the tribe, you know, be successful at what they do and and not just like, and not just with trading, but also with life. Like I really do care. I I want people to be able to have, you know, to be able to build themselves up and to grow. 
And it means a lot to me, you know, yeah, we show up every, every morning to the Wiz Charts chat and we, we work, we work every day and we work the same hours every day. And, and it's, it, there is a grind, but you know, the grind is important. Like showing up every day is important. Being there and learning every day is important because that, that's what it's going to take, you know? Even if it, even if I'm just your fucking, you know, school attendance of you check in every morning and it keeps you on routine, you know, that that's important to me that, that, um, you know, I'm, I'm helping you grow and and stay on task and and become like, you know, the best version of of what you can be, because I, I do, I really do truly believe, I think there is greatness in everyone. So, um, long way to say, you know, I, I do love you guys. I, I love interacting with all of you. And um, I love what the community's become. I love what the Substacks become. And, and it's incredibly humbling that uh, you choose to support the Substack. And I, I really do sincerely appreciate it. And appreciate that that you allow me to be in your life and to uh, help you grow. So with that, um, Gwen, I love you very much. Thank you for always doing the podcast with me. Love you. All right, guys. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk to you. Bye.